Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Um, let us share what needs to be shared. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, O virgins of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your mercy, answer us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today we have Amanda Montesanto Davidson. Uh, three beautiful names, and uh, just happy to have her on the show. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. All right. Today's co-host is Mr. Stephen Bienvenue. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Same here, Todd. Thanks. All right. Amanda, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I am currently the Acadiana Director and one of the youth program's co-directors for Louisiana Right to Life. I was married this past January 2021 to my wonderful husband. Both of us graduated from St. Thomas More, um, me in tw 2012, him in 2013, and we are um, ecstatic to be newlyweds. It's been wonderful. And I grew up in Brobridge and then came over to STM in Lafayette for high school. I am one of three adopted children in my family, and it has been the absolute biggest blessing in my life and is the reason I'm here at Louisiana Right to Life. Um, my conviction about spreading the pro-life message and especially um, love for adoptees and their birth mothers. Um, so I love your parents, know them very well, uh, just great people, great Cajun Catholics here in Acadiana, and of course, Brobridge is God's country, right? Uh, I'd have to agree on that one, <laughs> absolutely. And so, uh, tell us, go back a little bit and tell mm -hmm. us about, I know you have a good story to tell uh, about your, your adoption and whatnot, but t tell mm -hmm. us, tell our listeners a little bit about your story. Okay. Yeah, so my story um, definitely started before I was born. My birth mother was 16 whenever she had me, and um, she was in high school, and I, I can imagine, but I also can't at the same time, what must have been going through her head as this young, um, young lady who finds out she's in an unplanned pregnancy. And on the flip side of it, um, my parents had gotten married and for nine years had prayed for children. And it, you know, seemed like maybe that wasn't in the cards up until this point. And by God's design, these two, this beautiful couple and this young, wonderful, outstanding birth mother came together um, through Catholic charities here in Lafayette. Mm. And my birth mother placed me for adoption in 1994. And a week before my parents' anniversary, they adopted me. Wow. And uh, it, uh, yeah, it kind of blows my mind um how these uh three people could just leave so much in god's hands um 
So I'm excited about your story. Uh, my mother uh, helped find uh, found the Monsignor Segura Center, which was mm-hmm. Catholic Charities prior to, and so that's one of Mom's original organizations. My mom being Marcel Citron and Forche, and uh, and so that's exciting. You know, to I know she, you know just had a little hand in in, in that. I'm so proud, and I miss her so much. She's been gone for a few years, but uh, just no love like a mother. So tell me, was your biological mother, were were y'all from, born in Lafayette? Were you born here? I was born here. I was born at Lafayette General. Um, She is not from Lafayette originally. I'm not, you know, going to expose any um, personal information. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I was born here in Lafayette General, and um, I was adopted, like I said, through Catholic Charities here in Lafayette, and... We had my adoption ceremony at the diocesan building, and it was just, um, I don't know, just, it all came, came to together, be, yeah. yeah. I'll let Stephen jump in. Stephen, we got any questions for uh, our girl here? Yeah, why don't you walk us through, so you're the first of the adopted. Yes. Continue on with your story. Okay, yeah, so I was adopted in 94, and a few years later, about a year and a half later my sister was adopted into our family and her birth mother was um in her 20s at the time and once again found herself in an unplanned pregnancy and through once again catholic charities placed my sister with my parents which uh, was outstanding that my parents were able to adopt two of us at this time and it was wonderful and so me and my sister are really close to this day and um it was really really actually sad when i got married and had to move out because me and her were living together for a good time before but so she was adopted into our family and it was outstanding and then about two years after that a wonderful birth mother um came into our lives and um i think she was probably around four and a half five months pregnant at this time when she um, called my parents over the phone and asked if they would adopt her little boy. Wow. And that's how my brother came into our lives. And his birth mom um, is who I consider one of my, one of my, uh, like a big sister to me, a big sister I never had. And so she would come over on the weekend since she knew um, for a longer period of time, my parents and her knew that my brother was going to be placed into our household. So she was able to spend a lot of time with me and my sister as we were growing up as young children um, before placing my brother. And they still, to this day, hold a very close relationship, which is very special. And um, my parents have always had this beautiful open door policy um, with our birth mothers, always inviting them back into our lives and always encouraging us to um, at, at one point in time, me and my birth mother had fell out of contact, and my parents were very encouraging if I ever wanted to reconnect that contact. And um, I always thought at one point, um, I remember in second grade, um, I was in school and we had lunchtime and sitting across from me at this long cafeteria table, who a friend of mine at the time had told me that my parents were keeping a secret from me. And of course, you know, as seven-year-olds in second grade would do, I was like, no, they're not. Mm -hmm. And I asked her what it was, if she knew so well what this secret was that I didn't know about me. And she said, you're adopted. Mm -hmm. Really low across the table. And I just looked at her, I was like, yeah, I'm the one who told you that. (laughs) And (laughs) we had our three birth mother's photos um, in the hallway leading to our bedrooms. Um, And every night, my mom and dad would pick us up and you know we'd 
kiss our photos and Aww. we we'd name them by name in our prayer and just always pray for them and um at this point we we had as young children we all had relationships with our birth birth mothers and um some their extended families and we just prayed for them and prayed for their peace and love and just that they knew that we loved and cherished them so much and that um if they were going through any hardships maybe any sort of guilt or shame which you know can, can be very real for these birth mothers that they just wouldn't have any of that because we were so blessed and we were blessed to have them and we were blessed to be in the home that we were placed in and we were blessed to have each other as siblings and as a family and them as part of our extended family mm-hmm. i couldn't imagine life without these three birth mothers and their extended families mm-hmm. in our lives it just our our family wouldn't be complete without them mm-hmm. and uh so i i remember like i said laughing telling this girl well yeah i told you i was adopted <laughs> because it was never a secret for us um you know that i remember maybe in around second third grade i was able to realize what adoption actually was but i always knew i was adopted so tell me along the way, um, uh, uh, other than your parents, uh, mm-hmm. who has inspired you in your Catholic faith? I, I know at STM they have so many good people there that, and, and maybe some of your local priests and whatnot, but who has inspired you through, through your faith life? Oh my gosh, there, it, it's hard to narrow down a list. Um, there have been so many people who have inspired me um, at different times in my life on different things about being Catholic. Um, you know, at, at middle school, it was my teachers and the school itself and how beautiful it was to be able to walk across the schoolyard to Mass every Thursday. And I was able to become an altar server at the time, and it was really nice. wonderful. And just being around a community which was so closely centered around God was really impactful and powerful. And then transitioning into high school... Um, Mr. John Listy mm. was our campus minister my freshman year, and he made a really big impact on my life. And then one of my teachers, um, Mr. Dan Duyon at STM, I believe he's still there, had a major impact on my life. Um, just this quiet prayer warrior. Um, and he had come to um, my very first quest retreat, and I think that was, that would have been 2008, um, the fall of 2008. And I just remember giving him this big old hug and I I was just so overcome with emotion because I had never been encountered by Christ in such a way that I had at this retreat. And he actually went on to become my confirmation sponsor (laughs) a few years later, which was absolutely wonderful. And he gave me this beautiful statue of a praying angel that stays by my bedside table. And um, he, he really inspired me just to really be prayerful, prayerful and just be in the moment and just be present and then going into sophomore year um that's when coach struther uh mr lance struther had taken over campus ministry and to this day he inspires me and it just different ways um especially now as a young adult um who is fortunate enough to be welcomed back to sdm as a volunteer he really inspires me to continually to be there and he really allowed me to encouraged me to be vulnerable and be humble and ask for prayer Um, because growing up I think my adoption played a part in this I always wanted to be very independent do everything on my own Um, 
And it was always very hard for me to ask people to pray for me. I was, it, it was very easy for me to look at someone and say, how can I pray for you? But it was very hard for me to ask people to pray for me. Right. And so he really taught me that and allowed, um, almost in a sense, allowed me to be able to do that. Yeah, so, I struggle with that still today. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I try and catch adoration when I can once a week. But, you know, I, I always have a, mm-hmm. a struggle with, with God, with praying for myself. It's, not, it's just not something I do. And I like, you know, I like the fact that people are encouraging you to do that because it is important. And it's tough, though. Uh, you know, you, you always, I don't know, for me, that's something that I find difficult. Stephen and I uh, both went to cathedral. I got pushed over to St. Thomas More uh, in 1984. I graduated whew, a long time ago. <laughs> but we didn't really have campus ministry. I don't know about you guys. No, we sure didn't. Yeah. I mean, we were altar boys as a young kid and yeah. served the bishop and everything else. But as far as having in school, you're correct, Doug. Yeah, and it's such a uh, these 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 strong male figures like she mentioned, John Listy and Lance Struther, and it's such an impact on and what they can do. Uh, something about that, mm-hmm. and 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 they they have made their uh, themselves known in Acadiana for a long time, and they're and they're young guys, and they've both been on the show previously, and uh, just beautiful stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that um, I hate to. I'm gonna let Stephen ask a question in here, but uh, just one more for me. Um, you kind of mentioned that you were on that retreat and had somewhat of a conversion. Tell, tell us more about that. Uh, what, what was that like? Because I think the young listeners want to know. You know what? What is that like? Yeah. So, and it wasn't so much as a conversion as it was a conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I just I remember I don't know when at some point in the retreat just. The very first quest um, is just very, for me at least, very overwhelming. And I know it's a very powerful time and being able to go back to quest and just be present um, for these, you know, the seniors who are leading these freshmen and sophomores into faith formation and, um, you know, just doing whatever they need um, us to do as back staff. It's, it's powerful. And adoration is just so, it's quiet and peaceful and it's inviting and it's encouraging to see so many young people at that same part in life. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have vastly different lives, but we all are able to come together in front of the Eucharist. And it, it was just this beautiful moment. And all the little games and small groups leading up to this was, I never knew that I could have a community of people my age who were so convicted in their love for Christ um, and who wanted to make that one of the biggest parts of their lives, which, and not just say that they wanted to make it a big part of their life. You could see Mm -hmm. how they were making their love for Christ a big part in their life. And I still look up to a lot of these classmates today, which is really wonderful. Want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest is Amanda Montesano-Davidson. She is the Acadiana Director for the Louisiana Right to Life. Our co-host today is Mr. Stephen Bienvenu. He is the president of the Bienvenu Smith Education Fund. Very involved in pro-life, both these guys, and a blessing to have them on the show today. So, Stephen, I'll let you jump in here. Okay. Amanda, your family adoption story is a beautiful story, and we are very blessed to have you working with us with the Louisiana Right to Life. Why don't you kind of walk us through how you've been able to adopt your situation to the role you have with the Louisiana Right to Life and, and some of the things you do around the, the community as far as educating the kids on pro-life. Yeah, absolutely. So it's my favorite part of uh, the job is being able to go into church groups and school groups and talking to these kids about what it means to be pro-life and upholding 
one another's human dignity, especially that we were all created in the image of God, um, just straight out of his love. And it's hard to think, especially going through what I've gone through um, in my life and just knowing the selflessness of our birth mothers, it's hard to fathom how anyone who knows the truth could be swayed to think that in any sense of the word that ending someone's life um, whether unborn or born from womb to tomb would be acceptable and so my goal is I don't want any of these students I don't want any of these kids to not understand the beauty of their own human value and the beauty of others human value and their life created in God just because if we could all just respect and uphold each other in, in that same likeness how much better the world would be Um, and especially getting to talk to younger kids we talk about human value and how bullying in schools really hurts them and how that doesn't uphold one another's human dignity and usually we go a lot more into that for middle school and then within high school we start talking about abortion and you know uh, different situations physician assisted suicide euthanasia predominantly abortion um in our, our line of work here at Louisiana Right to Life. And just, I don't want anyone to not know the truth of human dignity and also the violence of abortion. Um, we hear in today's society that it's a simple procedure, just terminates a pregnancy, but it's not just terminating a pregnancy, it's terminating the life of the unborn. And I have many friends um, who I've met through this line of work who have been conceived in all different circumstances and, you know, there was some mothers didn't choose life and these friends lost siblings and then others who chose life and gave birth to these friends. And I, I just, I wonder how many friends we don't have. And I wonder how many doctors and teachers that we don't have anymore due to abortion. And it it plays a big part being adopted in my conviction to educate these students because my birth mother was in high school. My brother's birth mother was even younger in high school than my own birth mom. And I just, I wonder, I, you know, I don't really know how many of their friends were behind them. I don't know what family members backed them entirely, but I do know that someone did. Um, because I don't think these young women would have been able to come to the decision to stand for our lives and to give our lives meaning and respect um, without somebody. So if if I could just change one, one person's heart, even just plant a seed um, somewhere within their mind, and a friend, you know, may come to them one day and tell them about their unplanned pregnancy, maybe one person will uphold them and put them in touch with our local pregnancy centers. We have quite a few in the Acadiana region and um, and help uphold the dignity of not just their unborn child, but them as well. And I think a lot of people forget that as well, the compassion that we need to bring to women and families who choose abortion as well, because they are also humans who deserve love and compassion some don't know the truth some may have been coerced by other people within their lives but maybe 
through our education, we just make the difference in one person's life to be the person who either chooses life or who can uphold a friend or a family member to choose life. And if I could do that for one person, that would make this entire journey worth it. Two questions. Um, one, um, how do you feel COVID has had an effect on the pro-life movement, uh, generally speaking, all the way around? What, what, what kind of effect has COVID had? And uh, the, the second part of my question would be, you, you touched on pregnancy centers. Mm-hmm. We need to give a roadmap to the, to the young ladies out there that may be in that situation as to what that looks like. You know, what, where do they start? Mm-hmm. I mean, these ladies Google a phone number and, 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 and is the pregnancy paid for by, by someone? And, mm-hmm. and th- I think there's a lot of unanswered questions for me anyway. So. Absolutely. So these pregnancy centers, um, they can be found either by Googling, um, you know, unplanned pregnancy pregnancy centers with their city and it'll, you know, Google them to the next nearest one. We also have a wonderful database of our over 30 pregnancy centers in Louisiana on Louisiana Right to Life's website. And that is prolifelouisiana.org. And um, in the search tab, you can search pregnancy centers. We have been blessed to have I believe over 35 actually pregnancy centers across our state and these pregnancy centers offer free resources to these women um, they'll help them sign up for M- medicaid medicare i'm not sure which one um, it exactly is but they help them sign up for that they help them with diapers formula parenting classes um, leading them to um, to sanctuary and homes if they would need temporary shelter Um, Many of these pregnancy centers stay involved in these mothers and these unborn children's lives, even through birth, um, some even up to two, three years old. All pregnancy centers slightly differ in what services they offer, um, which, like I said, can be found on our website as well as through Google. So it's, it's really beautiful that all these men and women have been convicted and called to help these mothers and families in times of uncertainty just because we know a lot of women choose um, abortion based off of worldly circumstances finances family life um, home situations so these pregnancy centers do a really beautiful job at meeting those needs and helping empower these women to either choose parenting or choose adoption for their children so a single mother that's pregnant does she have to make a decision then and there to give up the baby or Mm -mm. will they walk them through and then generally speaking if they do decide to um, give up the baby for adoption does that happen right after birth how does that work so i there is no pressure to make an immediate decision um you know i'm just going to use myself for an example if i were to walk in today to a pregnancy center and say hey i'm in this unplanned pregnancy center no one is going to look at me and say, okay, you either have to choose parenting or adopt now. These pregnancy centers have wonderfully certified counselors and can lead them to counseling. And women typically go through a variety of sessions in which they are counseled and which they are taught the value of life um, and then explained the you know parenting. Maybe they need help. Maybe they know exactly what they want. Maybe they come in with a plan. And then they help them and just go through all their life-giving options for these mothers. And then if they choose adoption, usually they'll be, um, you know, Catholic charities, private adoption agencies within the state. They'll be con- they'll be connected and put together through there. Nice. Um, so yeah, so e- there is no pressure to make a decision immediately. All they right. they help guide 
um, the woman to making the right choice for her and her child. A few minutes left on the show. Stephen, y'all have some events I know coming around uh, that you and Amanda are involved in. Why don't y'all tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we have a Chevy Bay coming up in October 21st. It's on a Thursday night. It's at the Cathedral Hall. It's an annual event. Naturally, last year with COVID, we had to uh, postpone it. So this year, we're going to have it. It's again at Cathedral Hall. We're going to be honoring Dr. Kim and his wife, Bonnie Hardy, and also Mrs. Sharon Fontenot from Eunice. These are some of the pioneers uh, that started back in the mid-70s when Roe Wade first was passed. And uh, what we've tried to do each year is go back and honor some of the people that came before us that laid the groundwork to, uh, to combat abortions in, in the state of Louisiana. We are very blessed in Acadiana uh, that we haven't had any abortion clinics, and we continue to do our best to try and keep them out. But it's a fundraiser. If anybody's uh, interested, I'll let Amanda give her email address and her phone number. But uh, we roughly have around 250 people. It's at Cathedral Hall. This year, the honorees, like I said, are the Hardys and Ms. Sharon Fontenot. Our guest speaker is going to be Ms. Fran Hampton. Right. Uh, she has a, a story she tells that's, that's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's similar to uh, Amanda's, but it's touching. It, it really ties back in the pro-life, not just the anti-abortion, but also the adoption process. And like Amanda was saying, we want to protect life from uh, cradle to grave. Man, I want you to give me information on how they can contact us if they want to get involved. Yeah, so the the easiest way to contact me is via email. Um, it, it'll be the quickest response. Um, and so my email address is it's all lowercase a davidson at prolifelouisiana.org. and Louisiana will be all spelled out. Um, so that that's right. the best way to contact me, and I can. Um, guide you through the process of maybe hosting a table becoming a donor or put you in contact um if you would like to be a donor and um you know sponsor any food items that we have or anything to put towards the banquet you want to get involved i can also lead you to the people who you need to get involved with as well for things like that yeah the event is free to attend we have mm -hmm. tickets we have table hosts uh, last uh, two years ago, we were blessed. We had ten restaurants in town that vote, mm -hmm. donated all the food. This year, we're going to cut it back to five restaurants, mm -hmm. uh, and all the food's donated. So it's it's yeah. it's a good involvement. The bishop attends and, and and gives us a little upbeat on pro life across the, the system. So it's 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 a good gathering. Uh, less than a minute left on the show, Amanda. Just take us out with uh, you know if you had to speak directly to those uh, mothers that are mm -hmm. going to be affected by the pro life movement. What, what would you say to them? You are worth so much more than the world tells you. You are worth love. You are worth honor and respect. And we're here for you. Don't be afraid to reach out to someone. Nice. Thank you so much for being on the show. You've been a blessing uh, to us and all of Acadiana. And love your parents. And uh, they did a good job raising you. Uh, and so happy for you to see your success. Thank you so much. Right. It's been a blessing. Thank Thanks, you, Amanda. All right. You've been listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest was Amanda Montesano-Davidson. Uh, she's a, a great product here at Lafayette. And, uh, again, we always uh, challenge you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. And until next time, God bless.